Thank you for joining the Generous Life podcast that we have here at the National Christian Foundation of South Florida. Once again, I'm Stefan Chavidjan, the co-founder and CEO. Um, over the past months, we have had the privilege of introducing you to some of our other team members, some of the things that we do. Many times people ask, well, what does the National Christian Foundation do? And we hope by listening to this podcast, not only you, are you encouraged and equipped, um, but you'll learn a few new things. And we also introduce you to some really amazing people, some of which serve on our board, some of which are clients of ours, some of which are just people that we come across in our uh, everyday goings, and we are in inspired and uh, by them and also instructed by uh, by what they do and how they do and it, it helps us do what we do better and uh, if you joined us on our last podcast I introduced to you a, a dear friend of mine by the name of Roy Moore and uh, we spent uh, the better part of the podcast just sort of getting to know a little bit about Roy and his life his story we all have a story and uh, if you haven't listened to it I'd encourage you to listen to it to give you some context for today. Um, but Roy, uh, in his um, previous podcast, shared with us a bit of his story and how he came to know Christ uh, as a 21-year-old uh, young man, uh, got involved in a family business, uh, experienced some great success, um, also had some family challenges in his marriage, uh, shared a little bit how that journeyed with the Lord um, and how God is a God of redemption in so many ways, even if we, in essence, have done nothing wrong. Even if sometimes you you may may have gone through a divorce or a bankruptcy or something and go, look, Lord, I did everything right and it still didn't work out, and yet God still has this wonderful redemption. Um, so, but today I want to talk a little bit about one of the things that Roy you shared a little bit is that in this season of your life, you are in a sense taking all the things you've experienced and by God's design, not that you were asking for it, but you've been invited into some very sacred spaces, meaning you've been invited into. Uh, the lives of CEOs or some board, um, ministry board, for-profit boards, where these are, I, I call them sacred spaces, because you have to be invited in them. And these are people that look to you and say, okay, I'm going to trust you with with information about my life, about my business, because I value what you'll do with that and what you'll how you'll reinvest it back into my life or back into our business. And so, uh, right now, that's a season, and it's not like you woke up one day going, you know, I've got nothing to do. I'm going to go knock on a bunch of doors. It's as if God just slowly with breadcrumbs, you know, said, follow this trail, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm sitting here, 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 and all that. Um, for those of you that know um, with us here in uh, NCF South Florida, we have a program called Convene. It's a business owner CEO forum. Um, that we have created. We have five or six of these groups going on now. Roy was very instrumental in helping us establish that. We have another program called LifeWork Leadership. Many of you have participated in. Uh, not only is Roy an alum, but he's also a, a speaker at LifeWork on a regular basis. Uh, and then he's just part of NCF, and he's a client of ours and all that. So, so Roy has found himself woven into every aspect of NCF South Florida, and uh, and and whether he admits it or not, we are better off because of that. So, um, so I share all this stuff about you, Roy, as a summary. And um, but I also know that the journey has not always been easy. And there have been times as you have gone through this journey. Uh, yes, we can look at the resume and go, "Wow, a lot of success." I know that there has been times where you've been tested. Your integrity has been tested. Your faith has been tested. Um, like, hey, you say this with lip service, but does it really mean something when no one is looking? And I think we're all in that every day. I, 
one of the reasons I love business leaders uh, that have a faith in Christ. Um, they have a different um, they have a different challenge than perhaps a a pastor or someone in a nonprofit, even though they have their set of challenges, because they're often living not in a black and white world. They're living very much in a gray world. And every single day, every day, they're having to make decisions of, okay, how does this integrate with my faith? And and I know many of our listeners, people are part of that. They live in that world. So maybe unpack that in this session, because I think we can talk probably a few stories, principles that have guided you. Maybe even you've had some setbacks and you go, man, I learned a lesson in that one. Or this is when I was tested and I passed the test and here's some things I learned and I can pass on to others. So maybe let's start out there. I mean... Think of a time or two when you've been tested. Yeah, I will share, um, uh, and thank you for the introduction. I will be happy to share a couple of things. Um, one is, though, I, I find that faith and work, even though people talk about the faith and work uh, space, I, I really see that as a distinction without a difference. I don't. Mm. I see that I, I don't. I don't sort of put my faith on in one setting and then take it off in another. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just want to say that that's, that's my, my perspective and my view. And so it plays out in a lot of different ways mm-hmm. in, in the uh, commercial marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, if I think about a time when I was tested, mm-hmm. um, I would say it's a time where in the business world, in the commercial space, it's always trying to buy your integrity. Mm. In many ways, trying mm-hmm. to buy your integrity in big and sometimes subtle ways. Mm-hmm. Um, I think of one time we were um, selling a business. Mm-hmm. Um, we had sold it, as a matter of fact. And sometimes when you – not sometimes, most most of the time when you sell a business, there's an escrow. Mm-hmm. They take a percentage of the purchase price, 5%, 10%, put it aside. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we had done that in, mm-hmm. a, in a particular business transaction. It was one in which I would have been entitled to, when the escrow broke a year later, mm-hmm. I would have been entitled to 20%. Mm-hmm. Six months after the transaction closed, um, the private equity firm, through their attorney, called our attorney mm-hmm. and said, listen, if Roy will agree to release the escrow, which I had the, the authority to mm-hmm. do, mm-hmm. we'll give him half. Mm. We'll give him half. Mm. Uh, but we get to keep the other half. Mm. Now, that sounds like a nice offer. What it was is a bribe. Mm-hmm. That's the way I took it as yeah, a bribe. Good for you, not for your family. That's right, right. Because it would basically deny my family the 80% of the proceeds they were entitled to, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was one of those things where I have to say I had a little fun with it, though, mm-hmm. okay? Because <laughs> the, the attorney calls me and he goes, Roy, here's the deal. And he goes, Bluntly, this is a bribe. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll give him an answer tomorrow. And he was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you mean? You're not, you're not just firing back? I said, no. Right. So um, I met my parents in the next morning at 530 in the morning when I knew they would be up. Yeah. And then I had breakfast with my brothers just so that we all understood the, the class of folks that we were dealing with. Yeah, right. Okay. And, then, <laughs> uh, and, then, and the other side is if I'm to be brutally blunt and candid, mm. I would have probably said some things that would not have been God-honoring to mm. those folks. Okay? Yeah, right away. So I said, nope, no way, we're not going to do it, and um, and we passed on it. That was midweek. Later mm. on that week— um, Let me ask you a question on that. Did yes. you all end up getting the escrow? Was full it released? Escrow. You full, you, full at the escrow. end of the day? Okay. Yeah. okay full so. escrow, and it was split. Right. Got it. Okay. Go um, at so, the end of the week, however, I'm going to a, a movie with my, my family, uh, and I love chocolate almonds. Mm-hmm. So we put some chocolate almonds in my wife's purse, and we go into the theater. And when we go into the theater, my kids look at this sign, and it says, no outside food. Mm. And I'm sitting there going, Oh great! So if there are enough zeros, mm-hmm. I have integrity. Mm. But when it's but when it's 
five bucks. I just told them for millions of dollars, I'm not selling my integrity. Right. But for five bucks, I right. was selling my integrity. Yeah. It was a wake-up call. It was to say it's both in big and small ways you yeah. have to respect. It's interesting. There again, the interaction and the relatedness between your business and your personal life yeah. and your faith life like and you how said it stretches. You, don't, you, don't, you can't pull it apart. Well, and I find it interesting that there was the the self-awareness of seeing that because, I mean, it was one of your kids that said the, That's correct. But you could have said, yeah, yeah, that just means hamburgers and hot dogs, you know. It doesn't mean chocolate mm-hmm. almonds, you know. Yeah, whatever, you know. But in essence, you know, you could have gone to the counter, bought yourself some chocolate almonds at the counter, I'm assuming, or, you That's know. That's correct. You know, and bought them and spent the five bucks. But but the fact that you also connected the dots. Did you connect the dots right away? Oh, or was yeah. it like a week oh, later? Oh, yes. I immediately thought, oh, wait a minute. I just was Mr. Integrity with this escrow yeah. account, but I'm not Mr. Integrity going to see, you know, uh, Batman or something, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm walking with a spring in my step and a smile on my face, man. I'm feeling <laughs> good about myself. And then all of a sudden, yeah. it's like, uh, let me just take you down a couple of notches and reveal to you who you really are <laughs> yeah. in your essence. Okay? Yeah, it's God's so, gentle way of going, Roy, you're cool, but not that cool. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Tap, yeah, tap, yeah, tap, yeah, tap. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the refiner's fire. What can I Out say? Out of the mouth of babes. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, literally. Indeed. So, Indeed. okay, good, good. So, okay, so that's, that's, a, that's a great principle. I mean, in other words, someone listening to us today, I mean, it's not just happening when you're in the big corporate world, but I mean, it's, it's the everyday life of how we live our lives. Indeed. And, and if we're going to be bold enough to say, I'm a Christ follower, or if you're not going to do it, then just don't say you're a Christ follower, because you're not. I mean, in the sense of, you know, live it. Yep. And, and I think even today, more so, I mean, I guess you could, every generation says that, but there's a part of me that really thinks, you know, there's so much there's so much rhetoric around what it means to be a Christian and people that talk talk about being a Christian and, you know, talk about Jesus this and Jesus that and Jesus. And then we scratch our head and go, yeah, but when I watch your life, there's nothing Jesus like it. Mm. So I don't want anything to do with your Jesus. That's one of the issues that I think we're dealing with in today's church is that a lot of young people are going, look, the Jesus that I read about in the Bible is very much than the Jesus that I see on cable news or that's even being preached in some of my pult- pulpits. So I don't want to do be a part of that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, I'll show you my, my faith by my deeds, right? Right. So, I mean, acting on verba, actions, not words. Yep, yep. Especially in the business space because, I again, I think, okay, so um, – Great, great story of a time when your faith was tested. What, what are some other, as you, you've been invited in these sacred spaces, what are some of the things that you're noticing as you talk to business leaders, CEOs, whatever, that is an area where you feel like there's a great need where, where like, it's almost like a consistent theme. Like, I keep going back. I'm seeing this pattern in leaders that where they're, they're, they're found wanting and, and there's an opportunity to restore or refresh or reinforce? Are you seeing anything like that? Any particular two, three, four things that are sort of the go-tos that you notice? I would say one thing in particular, Mm. uh, and I think it's something that people, uh, a lot of leaders, uh, executives struggle with. Mm. And frankly, I think it's just typical in everyday spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, I call it the devil's dance floor. Mm. It's, uh, and the devil's dance floor is the gap between who you represent yourself to be mm-hmm. and who you know yourself to be. 
So there's a gap there. And mm. sometimes we we come and we, you know, it's people would make fun. I mean, you'd say, oh, you come to church and you smile and everything. Mm-hmm. But back home, you mm-hmm. know, your, your family's challenged. You know, right. X, Y, and Z is happening. When I engage with with different executives and they're and they're talking about um, how they want to lead a particular organization, um, there's a lot of times where there's that gap. Mm-hmm. Now, don't get me wrong; there mm-hmm. are some times mm-hmm. you need to have that gap, mm-hmm. but it has an expiration date. Mm-hmm. See, the Devil's Dance Floor doesn't have an ex- uh, expiration date. Mm-hmm. It's something that builds and builds and builds until you believe you can't. You can no longer maintain it, right? Give an example of one where it's 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 appropriate because it has a it has a in a sense a um, dan, uh, uh, expiration date. Like as a leader, you know there are times when yeah. you know like hey, I you're, we're dealing with challenges. I can't just be an open book to all all my employees, everybody. Like g- differentiate the two. Yeah, there was a time of crisis. I'll give an example. There was a time of crisis. Uh, I had landed in Austin Airport. I was driving. To, I was going to head down to San Antonio to the business. I get a call, and um, and what had happened is my business partner had collapsed that morning. His mm. heart had stopped. Wow. He was in. He was at the hospital. We didn't know if he was going to survive. Mm-hmm. We um, we were closing on a transaction with Toshiba at that mm. particular point mm. in time. It was to close in two weeks. I was serving as point. Mm-hmm. We were closing in two weeks, and I had three weeks' worth of cash in the till. Mm-hmm. I had 60 to 70 uh, employees that I was going to see, and the executive assistant said, Roy, here's what happened. My partner's name was Jack, mm-hmm. to Jack. And she goes, and the folks here know, mm-hmm. and and they're a little scared. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so there was a time uh, where um, when I walked in mm-hmm. – uh, one thing I will say is that the best kinds of problems are ones that are avoided, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm. And the avoided problem was that if Jack went down, I was instantly CEO. Mm-hmm. It was already set up. Okay. So when I walked into that room, and it was more like a bullpen, if you mm-hmm. will, they did not – it was not helpful for them to see fear mm-hmm. or a lack of confidence in direction. Mm-hmm. They needed to see that. Now, the reality is inside of me, You're I had questions, mm-hmm. right. right? I had questions because I knew – when you when you have a lot of zeros behind the mm-hmm. dollar sign, mm-hmm. there are very sharp elbows in the room, right? Uh, and people are angling. The barbarians mm-hmm. are at the gate, mm-hmm. and you have to know that. And they certainly were there, mm-hmm. but I did not and could not show that to them. Right. The expiration date happened two weeks later when we closed. Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Makes that's, that's an example. Reason. And are you seeing it like even in today's news? Are you seeing people? Are you as you watch a leader here? What right, you go? Hey, there's a person who's leading. Leading uh, in that capacity, you can just imagine. Yeah, I um, yeah, and I don't want to get into the. I'm not mm. obviously getting into the politics mm. of it, but when I look at uh, Zelensky in Ukraine, mm. I see a man who uh, I don't know what he knows in his mm-hmm. heart. Yeah, um, but you have to believe that he recognizes there's a significant challenge, yeah. a resource challenge, uh, you know, and a battle challenge and a battle cry. Right. You don't want your, your general to uh, claim defeat in the middle of the battle. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see that whether you, regardless of where someone's on in, in their views on that war, you can see a leader there that is, you know, um, uh, operating in that capacity. Okay. So now let's go back. That's the expiration date. Now let's go back to the non-expiration, the, the devil dance floor. Um, again, uh, maybe unpack that a little bit more because there are people that find themselves in that situation, and there is no expiration date. It has become – there's a saying I read one time in some spy novel 
Um, so it wasn't a true story, but I love the saying. It says, I've been wearing my mask, mask for so long, it's become part of my face. Mm. And Indeed. I always, I resonate. I've been wearing my mask for so long, it's become part of my face. So um, talk about that because you said you're, you see that from some leaders or, or you see at least a vulnerability towards that. I do. And I, and I see that leaders uh, sometimes feel like that's what they need to do in order to you know, prosper the organization. Mm-hmm. But also, I mean, um, it's a slippery slope to mental health too, mm-hmm. right? I sort of uh, – and a duplicitous sort of life. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and as you begin to tell lies and share things, um, then pretty soon you're, you start getting – you start taxing yourself on your ability to remember your lies and the story you told, Yeah. right? Um, Recently, mm-hmm. had a had a really heartbreaking experience of a client who ended his life, mm-hmm. and um, he ended his life in in a, in a scenario where it, it was sort of uncovered that you know there was there was sort of two paths. There was mm-hmm. the path that people believed him to be on as it relates to his service in the church community. And then there was another path, which mm-hmm. had a lot of financial implications and a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. But he, because he was sort of viewed as the leader mm. and the guy who couldn't have any problems. Mm-hmm. He was not comfortable sharing them and therefore carried the burden on his own and mm. and, and made a very, you know, troubling mm-hmm. choice. Yeah. So when you're talking to a leader, um, and again, it could be a leader of five, it could be a leader of, you know, five million, um, and you find yourself – Maybe, as I said, you've invited in this sacred space, and by being invited in that sacred space, all of a sudden you observe the dance floor, as you say it, and and you find yourself going, oh, this person is actually on that dance floor right now. Um, and maybe someone listening today going, yeah, well, that's actually me. I am, I am that person. I've become that person. You know, it's that, as you say, that slippery slope, the the proverbial frog in the kettle, that kind of stuff is. Um, what what do you I mean? What are some of the signs that you see that you go? That's a dance floor, and you're on it. And are there ways to get off the dance floor? Um, okay, so let me let me let me approach that. I would say um, first of all, the signs are that, uh, and it's generally shared with me mm-hmm. by the leaders. Mm-hmm. They recognize the way others perceive them, mm-hmm. and they know um, that who they are is not measuring up. And infrequently, we're going to spend a lot of time on how they can move towards mm-hmm. being the person that people think they are because mm-hmm. they think that's who they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the things that you have to do is, first of all, come back and anchor your faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I would say, well, I will generally ask them, who does God say that you are? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, and I know that sounds simple. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about just pray it away, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about yeah. you have to come back and just remind yourself who you are ultimately serving. Mm-hmm. And so once you come back and you get that frame, the second piece is <clears throat> to, to, to frame what I would define as a problem. Mm-hmm. And a problem is a want-God gap that has an owner, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. I want people to believe I am this way. Mm-hmm. I am what I know to be another way. There is a gap there. Mm -hmm. The question is, how do we close the gap? You ask me, how do I help somebody Mm -hmm. close it? First of all, you got to see the gap. Yeah. Okay. Secondly, once you see the gap, you got to own the gap. Yeah. Okay. Third, what are the steps 
mm-hmm. that will help me begin to close it. There's two types of gaps. Mm-hmm. One is a calculated gap that you could easily close, mm-hmm. right? I mean, not easily close, but easily identify. There's a number on it. Sometimes the gap is complex, which mm-hmm. means you're never going to close the gap, but you can reduce the gap. Mm-hmm. You got to walk towards that. And um, when people clearly understand, when they have with clarity mm-hmm. for the first time many times, the, the, what that looks like, they're able to plot a course that mm. would close it. And then mm. we agree on a time frame. Mm-hmm. So when does that happen? Think of it as weight loss, okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know I've, I've finally come to grips with uh, I'm, I'm 30 pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. What's a reasonable time frame over which to close mm-hmm. it? It's not tomorrow. You didn't, right. you didn't jump in. You're not going to jump out. You're going to mm-hmm. walk out, right? Yeah. And so let's put, a, let's put a course on that and let's talk about a plan. And then what I, I think part of my role is reminding them mm-hmm. Uh, of of their plan mm-hmm. and and um, and holding them accountable for progress. Yeah, and I, I think you know we um, we talk about redefine generosity and reimagine our community. And as you're talking, I can't help but believe that that right there is one of the outcomes of a redefined community because you're not doing that alone. In other words, if I'm that person and I I. Maybe I'm I'm playing the charade or I've convinced myself that I bring someone close in, they become my dear friend, my spouse, a pastor, a minister, a business partner, whatever, but they're close enough that they begin to recognize that gap that you're talking about, the dance floor. Mm. And they begin to, you know, gently make me aware of it. Let's say I'm not aware or I am, but I've just sort of, you know, I've made I've I've shut it I've shut the noise down. But then they, as as you begin to aware, I'm aware there's a gap. I need to be able to now mind the gap, as they say in mm-hmm. London, and um, and then be able to. Uh, and there's oftentimes sometimes a price because the gap in some cases may be such that says if someone really knew. And I've seen that in people's marriages where there's been unfaithfulness. And it's like, no, there's no way I can ever tell my husband or my wife that because it'll blow up my marriage. So I'm just going to live with the misery or or what they don't know. I don't, you know, the adage of what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, you know? Mm. Um, And and so I think, you know, I think having someone that comes alongside and, and walks with that person through that gap and through that space creates a degree of hope. Because hopelessness just says, "Well, I, this is this is my reality. I know it's not good. I'll just I'll just navigate and cope with the unhealthiness of it and keep the charade going up. And hopefully, I'll cross the finish line, and no one will ever know." Versus going, "No, no, this is actually toxic, and it's only snowballing in ways that you may not even notice." That's right. And also, one day you wake up, and this some something has popped up, and you go, "But the genesis of that was what happened four years ago." And that's frankly, that's the value of convene. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the uh, when you enter into a, the, the convene space, mm-hmm. you know you're you're volunteering to to have chats about and reveal mm-hmm. things associated with your personal life, your business life, and your faith. Yeah. And um, when there is harmony among those, there is peace. Yeah. And sometimes you have to remind people that uh, you know because a real story that's going on in their head is if they knew who I really was yeah. then. Right. They wouldn't like me. They wouldn't love me. They wouldn't follow me. They wouldn't trust me. Whole laundry list of things. Yeah. And the question is, who's the voice? Yeah. So, see, in, in the convened space, when I'm coaching somebody, I can. We, nice thing is, we're talking about Christians, mm-hmm. and so I can always come back to the plumb line of truth and yeah. remind them of that. Yeah. Um, so, I think that's a. 
Yeah, it's a definitely a val- value proposition because the older I get in my faith, I'm realizing that God, as the architect of my faith, has designed it in a way that it requires community. It's not it, it well you know, I mean, there are some unique situations where you know you're in solitary confinement in a jail somewhere or in a hospital bedroom somewhere or living on a desert island somewhere, and you're like, no, it's only me right now. But I mean, those are rare. Most of us, you know, and we live in we've been designed. It's been designed to say this thrives in community. And the minute you begin to isolate yourself or avoid community or um, try to create that charade of, well, I'll be in community as long as they don't get too close. I think you're missing the the value proposition of your faith because it is in community that my faith is challenged and grown and, and I become strong. As I said earlier, you have been that. Um, I share with people that I have a personal board of directors. I don't know where I got that idea. I think I was reading a book or some speaker said, you know, because I have a board. We have a board of directors here at NCF that are the board of the organization um, and yes, I report to them, but personally, I wanted a, a personal board of directors that these people, you know, this 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 crosses all aspects of my life, not just my role at, at an organization. You happen to be one of those people, and I have another gentleman that serves on that, and maybe one day I'll have a third board of director. And then obviously my wife, Lisa, is incorporated in them. You guys have access to her. She has access to you. But I know for me, it's given me that space to know – Hey, you guys come into my world and you can challenge me questioning, you know, anything or if you see anything starting to look a little weird, like hey, there's just this swagger about you or there's a nuance here, what's happening, you know? Are you on that dance floor? Um then I I feel I feel like there's a um almost a safety net under me because I feel like I may not know what I don't know until someone pokes one day, you know, and that kind of stuff and, and it does go back to our faith. You know, it does go back. So, so I want to thank you for joining us. If uh, if you're hearing this and you didn't hear the first part, I'm encouraging you to listen to uh, the first part we did with Roy, as we talked about his life and we talked about his journey and his faith, and then today talked about just some of the experiences in coming alongside leaders. And I hope that there's something that you take away from there. And if we can ever be of any help here at National Christian Foundation of South Florida, um, feel free to uh, either contact us anytime. Our phone number is 954-771-0110. Or you can always go to our website, ncfgiving.com forward slash South Florida. But you've heard us say things about Convene, uh, life work Leadership, a few other things like that. And if any of that piques your curiosity we are a phone call or an email away and we're more than happy to invite you into that very wonderful sacred space as well so thank you very much roy